Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast about all of the things that happen to and around therapists, our businesses, our lives. And a few weeks ago, we had an episode about therapist self-care during quarantine, during the pandemic. And we got a lot of really positive feedback from that episode. And apparently, a lot of our listeners out there are struggling just as normal people are and the ways that our work is taking us in our private practice we're isolating and not having a lot of those protective factors for ourselves if we're working for agencies that are celebrating all of our hard work as essential workers by giving us pizza parties and stickers and calling us heroes and calling that good enough we are really at a, at a point in our fields where it is really burning a lot of us out. And there's a lot of despair in the field right now. And along with all of this going on, a few weeks ago, I led a workshop, a six-hour workshop on talking about working with clients with suicidality. And there was a really important piece of that workshop that came up. There's about 100 people in attendance. And part of the group discussion was just around how therapists are having a lot of suicidal thoughts as well. And I was talking with Katie about this, and she said, you know, there might be something to an episode about this, of just talking about when therapists reach points of despair. I think that there's the despair, and I want to definitely talk about that. I think there's also just how much therapists take in and Right now, it feels like there's less outlets. And, and we talked about this in that, that episode of kind of what can we do to take care of ourselves during quarantine. But I think that there's also a lack of discussion and acknowledgement of how sitting with our client's darkness can impact us pretty in- intensely. I, I saw a thread in one of the therapist Facebook groups about therapists who works with sexual assault survivors or sexual abuse survivors, especially the ones with, with child sexual abuse survivors. And a lot of them, and this is something that I don't experience now, but I had experienced in the past when I was doing more of that work where I didn't realize this was common that therapists would have a lack of a complete lack of libido that would, it would impact their interactions with their partners and, and those kinds of things. And I think it's something where, It makes sense that the work we do would impact us, but I think the piece that you and I are hoping to 
address is the the lack of talking about it and the stigma around therapists having any kind of mental health concerns. And we talked about this in our therapist suicide and suicidal therapist episodes. But I think there's this, this piece around understanding we are human beings and our jobs are to sit and talk with folks all day long about the things that are the darkest moments of their lives oftentimes or are extremely anxiety producing for them. When we were getting ready for this episode, you and I talked about kind of the anxiety contagion that can happen. They might be very depressed. I know that oftentimes when I have more depressed clients, because most of my clients are more anxious than depressed, but when my clients are more depressed, I find myself sinking a bit. I, you know, I of course want to make sure I take action to address that, but it's something that I recognize. And I think a lot of folks and I guess I don't know what's being taught at this point, but I don't remember ever being taught like, hey, you know, when you're sitting with someone and you're starting to feel depressed, I was like, you know, oh, that's diagnostic. That's just how it's going to impact the work you do with the client, not this is how you take care of yourself afterwards. And it's normal that you're going to feel a bit more depressed or a bit more anxious or your libido is going to be impacted or you might feel more suicidal because of how our work Go, our work plays out. And so so I think the piece that we want to start with is is the stuff that you were extrapolating during your conversation in this talk around therapists and the, the newest information on suicide. But I just wanted to comment that it's even if you're a therapist and you're not feeling suicidal, and we, we're very glad if you are not, you know, I think it's it's important to to recognize that there are still mental health impacts and relational impacts that may be happening, w- especially with fewer outlets right now and and the state of the world right now. The way that this conversation started in that workshop is I had talked about the the risk factors of suicidality in a lot greater depth than a lot of the other suicide workshops that I've attended before, learned from before, even taught in some of the classes before. Got into some of the really deep statistics and and some of the extrapolated why, you know, why why this group of anxious people might be more prone to suicidal thoughts and actions than this group of anxious people. And when I got to some of the points around contagion and around seeing friends and family and the heavy work that we are, I admitted to the audience and I'm admitting it here that in preparation for this workshop, it was a lot of, lot of hours of reading very difficult stories and difficult times that people are going through. I was having suicidal thoughts. I was having just Mm -hmm. kind of this heavy, man, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with the responsibility of all of this anymore and very well aware of it. And not, not to the level of like, I'm, I'm going to take action. I'm not going to, I don't have any plan. I have kids. I don't want to do this to my family, Mm -hmm. my, my, my friends and colleagues. So everybody, I'm fine. Uh, Don't worry. I got an eye on them. Don't worry. I got it. But I, I really wanted to normalize, like, this is how easy it is for all of the self-care measures that Katie and I talk about and we engage in for ourselves, that being in this space is not something that anybody is immune to. 
but there is a shame within our fields and a shame of our audience, our, our, our clients, maybe potentially feeling the responsibility to take care of us. Yeah. That kind of shoves us back into the corner of like, maybe we shouldn't talk about it. And so what happens in those discussions that you were talking about, Katie, the supervision or the agency work or the, it gets kind of collectively just summed down into this. You need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. It, 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 which further shames it that yeah that there isn't this collective like hey everybody like these are normal things that happen and therapy is one piece of addressing it but so is socially talking about like we deal with some heavy shit yeah yeah and i think i don't think it's shameful to go to therapy i don't think it's something where and I don't think you were saying that either. No. I think that oftentimes, and, and we can argue all day long whether or not therapists should be in therapy or should be required to go to therapy. We've got a whole episode on that. I'll put that in the show notes. But I think the point that is really resonating for me is that in saying go to therapy, it's taking the conversation out of the social space right. And, right. and making it an abnormal thing. And going to therapy shouldn't be abnormal, my opinion. But I also don't think that we should refrain from talking about the real impacts on therapists when they are being, you know, I kind of have this idea of like this kind of the descent into darkness and kind of being there and being able to sit in that with your clients also means that you're there and it has to have an impact. Why are we denying this? Why are we shaming it? It doesn't make sense to me. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. All of my research around therapists and, and, and not my research on therapists, my, my deep dive into other people's research on therapists. Yes. Yes. Is we, the research tends to look at therapists as an annoyance in the research that, <laughs> that it, it's that, that there's not a ton of research that's out there really about therapists. It's about therapists impact on clients. It's about th- yeah. things that therapists can do to clients. And so on one hand, we're this very special population that we hold ourselves different from our clients because we have a better understanding of the way that humans work and the way that psychological principles and relationships and all this kind of stuff work. We're, we're experts on that piece of it. Yes. But we're not so much of experts that we can be completely left alone and ignored, but that's the way that the research treats us is yeah. that 
we're we're this group of people that it's very hard to kind of pin down and research about the people that make up our workforce. And so research either tends to be this really high level national or international level data, or you're this case study that's over here all by yourself. And so these really normal things that happen to people were both different and not different enough to bother yeah. actually having any research about. And so that doesn't distill down into the way that we practice and we talk with each other. And that's a big part of why Katie and I do the work that we do is to take some of these conversations out of the shadows and to say, hey, this happens in our field. This is normal. This is something to have a home with, to to be a, a, a part of our lives. And yeah, some of it is described by the, by the principles and the theories that we talk about with our clients. And those also apply to us. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that I have a lot to say to that. I think it's it's something where, to me, therapist being human makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I think about laws and ethics. I think about especially some of the the old school blank slate stuff. And I, there was a, a, it was a camped meeting, I think. It was a, a small networking group meeting where there was a training and there was a, a person that was talking about like not being able to share anything on social media that you wouldn't want your clients to see and, and was talking about not having lives. Like if a therapist is in a picture and they're tagged by someone and they've been in a in a jacuzzi and so they're they're shown in a jacuzzi you know somehow the therapist has done something wrong and it's like wait a second <laughs> you know not allowing us to be human in private ways not allowing us to be human in public ways i think really limits our ability to take care of ourselves and gives us this this kind of feeling of being stuck or trapped in the the shadows that we can't bring these things forward. And I know for myself recently, I've been, you know, really grappling with what do I want my career to look like right now? Because it's, it feels like even though, you know, as we speak, there's some vaccines that look promising and, and maybe within a year, things could be quote unquote back to normal. It still feels like so much has changed. And I feel like do I want to live my life like this? Like, and I, and I know part of it's, that's what my clients are grappling with, but to feel stuck, whether it's in quarantine, whether it's in how the work is being done because an agency has set it aside or, or even just how your personal life is going. If as a therapist, you can't talk about it. To me, it feels very, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Very scary. I think part of it does go back to that legal and ethical end of things. And especially in the way that we relate to other therapists, whether it's as supervisors, whether it's as colleagues, that we don't want to put ourselves into positions of having to take care of each other. Yeah. And and so in some ways, therapists end up having these overly rigid boundaries that in, I don't think would exist in many other workplaces. Yeah, there's always kind of this manager, employee, boss, employee, supervisor, employee yeah. hierarchy that'll exist. But I think that because of some of the ways that we are taught boundaries, we can overdevelop and over rely on separating ourselves out from 
each other, even within the same workplaces, that further distances us when we do need just kind of that social support. Yeah. Some of the risk factors of, of things like suicidality that I, I found in this workshop is that having a job, even with bad work environments, like people around you is better than not having a job at all. And it's okay. being around other people, even if they're crappy people, <laughs> is a protective factor. Okay. Now there is, a, there, there is a limit to how crappy there is, and that's going to be dependent on every individual, but having a job and a workplace to go to better than absolutely nothing. And we have all sorts of, you know, toxic work environments. Marissa Esquivel, one of our recent guests talked about how impactful that episode was on her. And we've heard that from many of our other modern therapists out there, but what I imagine those environments really are is this rigidity of not wanting to deal with each other to such an extent that it's isolated together emotionally. And this mm -hmm. is all pre-pandemic stuff. Well, and I'm even just thinking about, you know, I quote unquote go to work, but I'm just sitting in front of the same screen all day. And most of the people I talk to are therapy or consulting clients and you, but Primarily, I'm talking to therapy. All a lot of people that require you to have a lot of emotional work. Yes, yes, yes. We've got our, our mental load episode, if you want to refer <laughs> back to how I'm taking care of Kurt. But I think it's it's something where the the thing that struck me with the boundary issue that you that you described, or I guess the the hyper boundary issue that you described. I'm just thinking about even some of my therapist consulting clients when they're bringing concerns or things they want to talk to me about, you know, and, and this is consultation. Like we're, we're finding practical solutions to things in their practice. Like this isn't even emotional stuff. Although obviously those things are intertwined. There are times that I'm like, okay, what do you mean specifically? Like it, we talk in such a vague way <laughs> that sometimes it's like, well, I can't, I can't say what I really have a problem with because I might get attacked for it or it might be too revealing. And it's like, no, 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 this is, this is actually where I want you to do that. Like I need to know yep. like to the tiny little detail, but it, but there's this instinct to keep everyone so far apart. And I think with the pandemic and not having the colleagues you're going to run in, into in the hallway or the networking coffees or the different things that potentially could get some eyes on you, and I, I joke that having a therapist as a friend sometimes is really inconvenient because you can give a non-answer and they will call you on it. But I think it's, it's something where when we can't actually lay our eyes on people and, and we're just interacting either through social media or text or maybe video, I could imagine feeling extremely isolated, especially if the people you work with are people you'd rather not deal with and so you don't connect with them now that you're at home. And all of this leads to how well we deal with that feeling. And socially, what you're talking about is one of the key factors of it. The more connected that we remain, the more that we have predictable social interactions, more predictable emotional connection with people, those are all really good protective factors, whether it's dealing with suicidality, whether it's dealing with really heavy caseloads, like you described with mm -hmm. sexual assault survivors. I'm 
sure that there is a very, very incomplete list that I could go down. So I'll just stop there. As yeah, far we, as we know what you're talking about. We're all therapists here. <laughs> the part that really makes us concerning is that when we reach that level of feeling trapped in it, that, yeah. and that's, that's the piece where the further that we isolate and the less that we're able to get out of our head and be able to see a pathway out of it. And this is where so much of the effort that Katie and I have talked about as far as self-care and structural self-care and making sure that these are active parts of your schedule is such an important piece to remaining resilient against this before it ever happens. That we don't want to fall into this piece. And, and a lot of burnout probably gets into that space of like, I just don't see an end to this. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of our clients and a lot of us are facing right now as quarantine goes back on, as cases are rising again across the entire world right now of, yeah, there's hopes of a vaccine, but there's also all sorts of evidence of we're going to go the other direction and go into further lockdown measures again. And I think, and and this is speaking more to kind of the anxiety contagion and and even kind of how we consume information. I'm finding that the people who I'm talking to are my clients who are primarily anxious and how they're perceiving the news and, and what's coming out and those kinds of things does flavor how I perceive the news. I mean, I, I am a proponent of critical thinking. I try to make sure I'm getting information from a lot of different sources, but the people that you talk to every single day it just makes it very challenging to feel hopeful if you're the one that has to hold the hope for a full caseload of people. So the anxiety contagion, the depression contagion, the idea that our libido might be impacted, those things are, I think, compelling. But I think as therapists, if we're just feeling a little bit more anxious talking to our clients, we know what to do. And it's not necessarily something that is a huge concern unless the anxiety becomes really intense or those things. And I know you, you and I were talking about some of the things you learned around suicide. So maybe we can kind of walk through some of the things that therapists should be looking for within themselves, especially right now. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So a lot of the things that we, we typically run through is kind of these diagnostic predictors or these diagnostic history sort of things that have various levels of where people might be born at risk. Depression, anorexia nervosa, borderline personality disorder, serious mental illness, uh, history of, of child sexual abuse, unemployment, uh, divorce, these kinds of things that all each in their own way have a deeper level of, of suicidal risk factors to them. And, and a lot of times, most workshops and even just this list here, everybody kind of goes through this checklist of, yeah, okay, I'll check through these things. Uh, there is a ton of research to go into on any one of those factors. I do really encourage people to look more at that. 
Mm-hmm. The biggest ones, though, that are happening right now in the pandemic is social isolation. Yeah. And I know we, we have our Modern Therapist happy hours once a month now that uh, get on our get on our list, follow our social media, and you'll know when those are coming <laughs> up. But how meaningful those have been for people to come and connect, even just once a month around other therapists. And we don't do you know, the, the, you know, this huge structured thing, it's just kind of a place to come and be and to normalize what we're all going through as therapists with other therapists. These are the pieces that help us to have some of those protective factors that are so important because what I have learned in these last several weeks and talking with therapists and, and leading this kind of a workshop is that we are so guilty of that. We know, but we don't put it into action. Oh, yes. <laughs> because even as, as you're talking, you know, we spend all day on these screens and talking with our clients, doing consultations, whatever else it is. And if we don't have other people in our lives, you know, in our household, family members, even if we do have family members, we're not connecting with our friends because at the end of the day, the last thing that I want to do, get, yeah. on a, get on a Zoom call with one of my friends and hang out. Yep. I, I, I want to get away from my computer, but there's not a lot else to do if there's no one else around yeah and i think that even within the the connections that you do make i think that if if there still is a stigma around saying i'm really struggling right now it's going to be hard to to feel connected i mean i think that that whole kind of feeling alone in a crowded room i mean you know we try really hard in our Zoom, you know, happy hour to make sure that we're connecting with everyone there, but there may still be people who are feeling alone in a crowded Zoom room, you know, and I think it's it's something where I, I, I feel like there's a community responsibility, but I also feel like there's an individual responsibility to identify the people that you can really be truthful, real with, and and having serious check-ins on how you're doing during this time, especially if there's other risk factors in place. And when we see colleagues struggling, and this is where a lot of the, the stories that I read about what actually worked for patients presenting with severe suicidal ideation, and it was peers, it was friends, it was family members who were like, we're going to hang out. <laughs> and and, ma- and making it happen and then not forcing anything, even conversation. It was just, it, and it wasn't in this threatening way. It was just like, you're obviously struggling. Mm-hmm. Let's spend time together. I'm not going to make you talk about anything. I know that you feel like garbage. I know that you don't want to do anything. I know that you're probably not even going to be that fun to hang around, but... <laughs> I care enough for you and just being around other people helps. And, and repeatedly story after story was even just being around other people who understand what you're going through. You don't even have to necessarily talk about it as long as there's an awareness of the level of what's happening. But if you are struggling, let, let somebody know. Yeah. And if you see people struggling or if somebody reaches out to you, give give the 
emotional capacity that you can, because for us to all get through this together, even, even separated and apart for us all to get through this together does require a community understanding of, we are not perfect people. We are not, you know, once we got our, our, our therapist degree or our therapist license, it didn't make us immune from all of this stuff. And it's something that when we recognize this happening in other people, if it's a colleague, if it's a friend, if it's somebody in our therapist community, we we should take a responsibility towards connecting with them and normalize that it's okay to struggle. I agree. And I also worry that adding this responsibility might feel like a lot. I'm just thinking about taking care of all of the rest of the therapists in the world while also struggling myself. And I, I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly. So, well, and one of the ways that I, I approach this, one of my best friends, I graduated school with him. We did all of our pre-licensed hours together. He's been somebody who consistently for like, like last 15 years is somebody that we chat a few times a week, sometimes less, sometimes more. And when we're really struggling, our response to each other is, I have 60% capacity that I can give you tonight. Mm-hmm. That, that even if what we, we can give somebody else, if we're honest of, hey, you're struggling, I'm I'm also going through some stuff, your struggles seem to be a little bit bigger, I can give you 10% tonight. I can give you something Yeah, that helps to establish the level of care that you have the the and also helps to just develop a all right since i can't give you more than that tonight where where else can you go to get the rest of, mm-hmm. of what you need that helps to make this a piece of the conversation of i don't want to leave you hanging i just i i need to also be aware of what my capacity is i see that and i think that's really good and i i see for myself i'll just i'll own it myself but also for a lot of the sacrificial helpers that i know that they may not be able to say i've only got 10% and and so i just i guess i just want to caution folks to make sure that they are actually assessing their capacity to give and support and that can can still actually fill us up to a certain extent, even if we don't have anything to give, if we're able to meaningfully interact with someone else, I think it can be helpful. But I think it's sorting out and maybe even in the moments when you have things to give, identifying ways that that you and your friends can take care of each other without having to give to each other. Because to me, there are folks that I am actively trying to support right now because of the things that they're going through. And that feels really good like a little text or a little meme or whatever, right? Like it's not, it's not hugely gigantic, but I know if someone were to come with something really big, I would need to, to seek reinforcements. And I don't know if I would, unless I really made a conscious effort to do so. And I think that that's the part of it is it has to be an intentional piece that it, and that's, that's where if, everybody took this approach that you're describing, none of us would put ourselves out there for anybody. And that's what's contributing to this problem in the first place. Yes. And and so if you're a sacrificial helper, 
be intentional about how much you can give. Mm. Be be intentional. Have have that be an open piece of it. That and and seeking reinforcements is the whole thing. You are not the savior for everybody, no matter how much that they're going through. And there's yes. a logical part of you that knows this. And Katie's even saying yes from the logical part of her brain right now. Yes. <laughs> but but going to to your point is it's the intentional piece of having reinforcements and going into it with the idea mm-hmm. of I will be one piece of what you need. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's important that we normalize both the need for help and the, the need to also calibrate how much help you're able to provide to someone else. I, I think to me, it just, I just wanted to acknowledge that it's a very difficult problem and it's not as simple as like, well, just reach out and then take care of the people around you. Because I think sometimes that feels like moving against a huge amount of inertia. And so I think part of it is creating spaces where there is reinforcements built in. I mean, that's part of the happy hours. We've talked about some other mechanisms to support each other. I mean, I think that there's having reinforcements already in place on a daily basis, I think is, it's critical. I mean, one place is our modern therapist group on Facebook. You know, one is the, the, our, our monthly happy hours, but finding a group of folks that you can regularly check in with, that you can regularly support so that there are reinforcements in place, I think is the strongest thing you can do. You can check out our show notes. Those are at mtsgpodcast.com. We'll include links to our social media at our groups and all of that kind of stuff over there. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.